0: Let's go to Acts chapter 12. If you need sermon notes, you can scan that QR code up up there. But I'm going to read to you starting in verse number 1. Here's what the Bible says. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But if you have your own Bible, circle that word, but. In fact, circle it and underline it. If you borrowed the Bible, just do it because they'll thank you. When they get their Bible back. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your Nikes. And he did so. Your Bible doesn't say that, mine does. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, Girl, you tripping. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Somebody say amen Amen. to God's word. Holy Spirit, would you... Challenge us today. Would you give us a picture today, God, of what you want us to see? We thank you, God, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We lean forward, expecting from you, Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. This is a picture of community. Really quick, just by review, let me give you the mission of our church. We'll put them up on the screen. Will you read this with me? So, those far. This is why we exist to connect those who are far from God to life in Christ. Your connection does not mean, well, I'm I'm saved or not saved. There's people that are saved that are distant from God. I'm going to say that one more time. There are people that are saved that are distant from God. I feel like the role of the church, at least neighborhood, is to link arms with you and walk you back into the presence of God until you are linked arms with God himself. And then we'll keep walking with you. We can walk arm in arm with the Lord together. Somebody say amen to that. How do we do that? Well, we have three values. The first value is this. Put it up on the screen for me, Sam. There you go. We prioritize the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost has to be in there. You know, there is no church apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no word without the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God-breathed. This is Holy Spirit-breathed. This is why we have this. So we prioritize that. Didn't Jesus say, it's to your advantage that I go away? Because if I don't go away, then the promise of the Father will not come. But I'm going to go so that you will be endued with power from on high. Somebody say amen if you're thankful for that. The second value is this. We live by the word of God. Everything that God says, we do. Somebody say amen to that. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You and I have the luxury of having this canonized Bible in our hands. You know, the apostles and the prophets did not have this. Yet we do. And we cannot let this just sit on the shelf and gather dust. Somebody say amen to that. You need to open your Bible. Don't wait for me to tell you to open your Bible on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You should open your Bible throughout the week. Why? So that you can have time spent with God. The early bird gets the word, is what I say. Wake up early. Get you some of that, what God is saying. Gobble it up. Ingest it. Meditate on it day and night. Do not depart to the left or to the right. This will save your life. In fact, this will make your life so much better. I don't read this for historical purposes. I don't read this to check this off my list. I literally read this because every time I do, I'm spending time with God. Me and him have a standing appointment in the morning, and I always make sure to make that appointment. I orient my life so that I can do this with him. I don't fit him in. Some of us need to learn that lesson. Somebody say amen to that. Don't try to find the moment where, well, you know what, When I, if I can make it, yeah, I'll, I'll fit. No, you fit him in and then fit everything else around that and watch what happens in your life. Psalm 90 verse 12 is a life verse for me. Teach us to number our days so that we gain a heart of wisdom. If you would... Teach yourself to organize yourself and to do the things to prioritize God. He will always make things work. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else that you're tripping about will be added unto you. Last value is this. Community is the context by which God grows us. So we value the gathering. Hebrews 11.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves, as some do. I don't believe in that, well, you know what, I just I like to choose to have church by myself in, in nature. That's really convenient because you don't need to forgive anybody when the trees have offended you. I think community is meant for you to be sharpened and to practice some of these things that God is showing you. If the Lord tells you, son, you need to to forgive, it's the hard thing to do, but you do that in the presence of other people, other believers. Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. Iron doesn't sharpen by itself. It needs the rough friction And sometimes butting of heads with other believers before you come to the realization, hey, there's something more important. We should be known for the way that we forgive people. It should be like a world-class thing when people look at us. Those Christian people, man, sheesh, they're some of the most forgiving people I've ever met. Yeah, we should be. You know why? Because our Savior did that for us. Because, if I, because I know that forgiveness. Who am I to withhold anything from anybody? Jesus taught us to love our enemies. So the standard is way high. If you look at somebody lustfully, that is, in essence, adultery. The standard is way high. So let's keep the standard high. And it's really easy to maintain the standard when nobody's around you. And so my challenge to you is this: You want to grow, step into this space of community. I gave you a picture last week in John chapter 17 of what Jesus prayed for. It's the high priestly prayer, and I believe that what he prayed for is our duty. If we would want, if we would, if we would, it is our opportunity to be able to step in and become the answered prayer of Jesus. He prayed it; you know it's going to happen. It's up to you whether you want to be a part of it or not, which brings me to today. I've been preaching two messages for each value, and this is the second one on community. I believe Acts chapter 12 gives us a picture of community. I chose Acts chapter 12 because I felt like the Holy Spirit chose this, frankly, if you think about it, all of Acts is about community. All of Acts. It's called the Acts of the Apostles. Now, I want you to track with me in this, okay? Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and you will be endued with power from on high, and then you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. That was Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, they did what he said. They waited, and they were in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the room. Tongues of fire rested upon their heads. And that little gathering spilled out into the streets. And from there, Peter began to speak boldly, and thousands of people got saved. They say, in Acts chapter 2, I believe in verse 9, that there was, P- there was Cappadocians, there was Macedonians, there's all kinds of people from different countries hearing them speak in their own tongue, their own native tongue, their own language. It's almost as if Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth, you see the picture of it becoming fulfilled right there. It literally happened just like that, all because of what? The Holy Spirit. And what did pre- uh, Peter preach? He preached the word. He preached the gospel. The very thing that you and I live by. We prioritize the Holy Spirit. They waited for the Holy Spirit. When the party spilled out into the street, Peter preached the word. He preached the gospel. And then a community was born. The values that are of this church are the values that you see in the early church in the book of Acts. Acts. This is why it's important to me. And I don't care if you end up, oh, I'm moving to Tennessee, pastor, or I'm moving to to Haiti, wherever you choose to move to. If you would take and assimilate these values into your life, you'll be that much better as a follower of Jesus. Prioritize the Holy Spirit. Live by God's word and embrace one another. Value community. Run to it. Be a part of it. Here's why. Is because there's always challenges and threats to everything that you do in the kingdom of God. Wherever there's a presence of good and light, there's a presence of evil and darkness. And Satan doesn't want anything that God wants to happen or his plan to happen on this earth. He doesn't want any of that to happen. So he opposes you. It's naive to think that you don't have any opposition in this life. You do, which is why I I emphatically tell you make sure you know God's word. True story I have a a friend of mine, Pastor Jerry Campers from Empowered Life. Um, He has a, uh, a pastor friend that got ill. And when he was ill, he could not open his eyes, it was a brain injury, he couldn't read. This man was a devout reader of the word of God. They didn't know if he had the capacity to listen or hear. He snapped out of his coma by the the hand of God. When he came out, Pastor Jerry asked him, hey man, what were you doing? Were you aware? What were you thinking? Were you cognizant? He said, I was aware. But Nothing worked. My mouth could not work. My eyes would not work. The only thing I could do is because my mind worked, the only thing I could do was remember the Scriptures. If you think the enemy's going to come at you and you're going to have time to go grab your Bible real quick and go read, it's not going to always work out that way. The Word was stored in his heart So that when he needed it, it would come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth would speak. In his mind, because his mouth wouldn't work, he would speak the word of God that he knew in his mind. Challenge yourself to equip yourself with God's word so that if something does happen like that, you are able to fight. This is likened to a sword. And you need your sword. You can't just lift up your shield of faith every single time. I don't know about you, but that gets tiresome. I want to be able to strike back. You've been given all kinds of armor. You have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You've been girded with the belt of truth. you got the shoes with the gospel of peace. You have all these things, the shield of faith, that can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. And you have one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Fight! Well, you won't know how to fight if you don't pick up your sword every now and then. So make sure that you do. These acts, the the acts of the apostles that you and I see, they met opposition to their community. It came in the form of Saul who was persecuting the church. It came in, in the form of what we read about here of Herod, the Jewish religious leaders were coming up against them. This is what happened, and you look at the first five verses of chapter 12. There's martyrdom. John, oh, James, the brother of John, gets killed by the sword. He's one of the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee. He gets killed. And then because Herod saw that it pleased the Jews to kill him, now they have Peter, and they imprison him. Here's the, 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 the crazy thing. It was during the season of the Passover. And so you know in the season of the Passover, they don't, it's against Jewish law to spill any blood or to, to, to condemn anybody to murder. So they, did, they made sure that during that week, they didn't touch him. There's martyrdom, there's persecution, and imprisonment that had happened. And it's not unlike today. That is still happening today. You think somebody making weird comments or, or inflammatory comments on your on your scripture Facebook post is, is persecution? That's not persecution. People rolling their eyes at you when you mention God, that's not persecution. The church truly experiences. Persecution, but because we're ill-equipped to be able to handle these things because we don't know the plan of God, then we kinda we kind of sink back. And my question is: during persecution and people are against you, when the enemy comes against you like a flood, how do you respond? What do you do to respond? Well, you get the picture of how they responded here. James gets killed, gets killed. Peter gets imprisoned. If you think about it, the community of faith, the early church, is probably going, what is going on? Remember in COVID when everything was shut down? No, you can't go to church. Everything was like, whoa. Everybody freaked out for a while. Yet here we are. We see the same thing. Peter is in prison. And here's where everything changes. It's in verse number five. You see, you see James get killed, you see Peter imprisoned, and then you see how the church responds in verse number five. They kept Peter in prison for that week of the Passover, and it says this so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. This is the turning point in this story. What does the community of God do when one of their beloved gets imprisoned for propagating the good news of Jesus? They turn to prayer. They gathered in prayer. When everything is coming against them, there's the big but. But earnest prayer was given to the church. Earnest prayer. That's a Greek word called ektinos. Do you know what that means? It's only been used three times in the New Testament, in the Greek. It means to stretch a muscle beyond its limit. That's earnest prayer. To stretch a muscle beyond its limit. Like, I can go this far, but if I were to reach this, that's really stretching it. It's that kind of prayer that they're describing. Luke 22, I think it's in verse 44 when Luke, Dr. Luke, remember he's a physician that wrote the gospel, he describes what Jesus was, how Jesus was praying in the garden. He says that Jesus was in agony and he prayed earnestly. So much so that the it looked like beads of blood were dripping where sweat should have been. That's earnest prayer. In First Peter. Um, Peter conveys how we should love one another with that same stretching. There's people that, you know, some of y'all are challenging to love. I'm not going to lie. You make it hard. I know sometimes I do too. But I'm willing to be stretched beyond what I'm comfortable with in order to make sure that I can demonstrate the love of God to you that's prayer and I want us as a community to make sure that we think of prayer in that way it's not yeah okay man I'll pray for you whenever I can get to it and then by the time you walk away you forgot that that they asked for prayer that's why I always pray right away if you ever see me like hey will you remember to pray for me pastor I was like let's pray right now because this thing don't work as well as it used to So let's handle it right now in case I forget later. I'm stretching what normally would be comfortable in the moment. Would it be more comfortable to just, yeah, I'll get to you later? Yeah, that's more comfortable. But I'm stretching myself beyond my abilities to go, no, let's pray right now. That is earnest prayer. Somebody say amen to that. Prayer can turn the tides of any storm. Something that I want you to think about, because this is during the Passover week. Peter was in prison at the very beginning of the Passover week. And they weren't going to touch him until after the Passover. So note that this community of believers didn't pray for a moment. They prayed for a week. They prayed for a long time. Earnest prayer is not something that you do really, really quick. It's something that you continually do. You're okay with it invading your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're okay with that. That's earnest prayer. Earnest prayer is going back to the prayer that you prayed for the other day until you actually get an answer. That's earnest prayer. Most of us stop. Okay, I prayed. What else is on my agenda for today? These guys prayed. Here's the neat thing about their gathering. Their gathering was centered around praying for Peter. It wasn't like, hey, Thanksgiving dinner, you know, we got turkey, we got ham, we got stuffing, ooh, we got pumpkin pie. Let's pray. No. No. Have you noticed that our gatherings sometimes are around other things and then we include prayer? Well, the early church, their gathering was on purpose for prayer. I don't know about you, but I'm super convicted by this. I haven't called anybody and said, Hey, man, what are you guys doing on Friday night? I don't know. What are you thinking? You guys want to come over to my house and let's just pray? I don't think, I think I've done that once in my whole life. Am I the only one that's convicted by this? Because my, other, my gatherings are centered on barbecue. My gatherings are centered around birthdays. But not just praying. Well, what are we going to do when we get to your house, Pastor? We're just going to pray. Okay. Imagine what that kind of community would look like. Hey, this week, we're going over to Pastor Linda's and we're going to go pray. Okay, Cool. Next week, we're going over to to Charlene's. Okay, cool, let's go. And we go and we pray. The purpose of our gathering was to pray. Their purpose for their gathering was prayer. It wasn't for anything else. It was just to pray. And they had one name on their prayer list, and it was Peter. They prayed for Peter. And during that time, their faith, was stretched. James had just been killed. And now here's Peter in prison. In their eyes, they're seeing him as, possi- as a possibility of facing the same fate, uh, fate as Peter as James did. So earnest prayer. Stretch. We're praying. Remember Jesus in the garden, sweating drops of blood. That kind of earnest prayer. I'm going to pray that hard for Peter. And they all were gathered there praying. That's how the church responded. And I want you to see how God responded. I love the Lord, man. The Lord never responds in a way where it's kind of like cookie cutter or ho-hum. It's just different all the time whenever he responds. The Bible says an angel of the Lord came and visited Peter. Peter cracks me up. I I, I so identify with Peter because a light was shown in the cell. Peter didn't wake up. The angel of the Lord had to, like, nudge him on his side to wake him up. Imagine the kind of peace that Peter had even though he was shackled. The Bible says there were four squads of soldiers. You know what that means? That means that there was four sets of four soldiers to guard him throughout the day. Four sets every six hours would shift. It would switch. Six hours is up, another four. Six hours is up, another four. Why? Could it be maybe because in Acts chapter 3, when he first was in prison, they're like, where did Peter and John go? They're over there in the synagogue. Why? Because the angel of the Lord let them out. So this time, Herod was like, we ain't doing that no more. I want four squads of soldiers. So they chained him to two, and then two others were sentried at the door. They were guarding the door. And God still got to him. That's how God responds. Light shone. Peter didn't wake up. Angel had to nudge him on the side. He said, dude, get up. You should write this down. Impossible situations make for the greatest testimonies. I keep thinking of the people that were faced with the Red Sea. Remember when Moses was leading them and they got to a point where they couldn't go anymore. Enemies behind them, seas in front of them. Can you imagine the testimonies that came from that? That had to be wild. Man, you should have seen it. Like we thought we were dead. Those Egyptians were on our heels and then here we are, we're facing the Red Sea and then I see Moses go over there and talk to God and somehow, someway, the sea's part and we're walking on dry ground. I saw a fish. In fact, I stuck my hand in the side of the water and pulled a fish out. I would have. I don't know if they did or not. Impossible situations make for the greatest testimonies. And then here's what The angel said to Peter, he struck him on the side and woke him finally, and he says, get up quickly, and then the chains fell off. Get up quickly, and then the chains came off. Some of you won't get up until the chains come off, but you need to get up, and then the chains will come off. You know, God wants to partner with you. He doesn't want to do it all for you. He did it all for you already on the cross. At some point, you just need to get up. You want to know how to to break chains in your life? You get up. Not just get up. Get up quickly. When you're ready, just get up. How many times have you been sitting there? I do this all the time in the afternoon, about 2 o'clock. My doctor calls it siesta time. I'm sitting there going, I don't want to take a nap. I'm too young to take naps like that. <laughs> so, you know what I do? I tell get up, get up, get up. And so then I get up. God will take care of the chains if you would just get up quickly. Here's how it happens you hear the word, you respond, yes. and then the chains will fall off. Yes. You hear the word. Get up quickly. You respond, then the chains come off. You're struggling with something right now? Hear the word, and get up quickly. Get up. Stand up. Start moving in the direction of God. And watch, those chains won't be there anymore. You and I are meant to participate with God in the miracle. We don't just sit on the couch and hope that he adds zeros to our bank account while we're laying there, half asleep, watching TV. You are meant to participate in whatever miracle that God is doing. They did this as individuals. Peter did it by himself. And and eventually the community of of, uh, faith would do the same thing as well. Notice that the angel of the Lord told Peter to dress himself. The, The angel of the Lord told Peter to put his own shoes on. The angel didn't go, also Peter's like, you're like George Jetson going through the conveyor belt. It wasn't like that. No, he said, you get dressed, you put on your shoes. I'll take care of the chains if you just get up, get dressed, and put on your shoes. And then he did. And then that happens, and then what does he say to him? He says, follow me. I love verse 9 because it just shows how, how to the point Peter was. It says, the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Verse 9. And he went out and followed him. And he went out and followed him. I need to be sober. I need to quit drugs. I need to be a better husband to my wife. I need to be a better wife to my husband. I need to become a better parent to my children. Verse 9. And they went out and followed him. Get up, go. Start following God and go. Isn't it funny how we complicate everything? Well, see, if I get up, then I'd have to put my socks on before I put my shoes. And I don't know where my socks are, and then they keep mismatching my sock. I think the sock monster keeps getting my socks, and and I never find a pair that matches. And then you do nothing. We talk ourselves out of everything. How about you get up? I love how he says, get up quickly. Don't think about it. Just go. Hear the word, respond, and now go. The chains will fall off. Yeah, but I got to go through 12 steps. And I know 12 steps works for a lot of people, but I also know that one step has worked for a lot of people. I would never diminish the 12 steps for people that it's worked for, but I also know that there's a possibility of one step. I know Clyde, for a fact, was standing outside. I said, so, Lord, I'm done with this. If. If you would take away my high right now, I will follow you all the days of my life. He was so high, he said, hit his daughter with him. And the Lord took away his high in a snap of a second. Gone. And Clyde has not stopped following Jesus ever since. You just need to get up quickly when you hear the word. Respond and then go. Those chains will come off. Somebody say amen if you're thankful for that. Which brings me now to my last point. As a community of faithful followers of Jesus, what if we were to stretch on purpose? Like, what if we chose to put ourselves in a position where everything that we did was stretching our faith? You remember when Jesus told his disciples and sent them out two by two? He said, go. I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons. Go. But take no money with you. Take no bag with you. Take only one change of clothing. That's it. Everything was by faith. They learned that the God that they served could feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And if he says, I don't need any of that, I'm sure whatever I need will be supplied for me on the way. Is it really a stretch when you know that your God can do all the things that he can do? What if you and I just learned to trust in what God can do instead of what, you, what we think we need before we can go.
1: My challenge
0: to all of us is let's stretch on purpose. Let's be faithful, people. Let's gather on purpose for a purpose. Sometimes that is a stretch in itself. I want everybody to show up on Wednesday. Why? Well, we have a prayer meeting at 6.30 p.m., I don't know. That's usually the time that I cook dinner, and you know, I usually cook a long dinner. What? We'll stretch yourself to believe in for what we're about to do before God. Yes. We get the opportunity to appeal to God as a community, as a group of believers. I know that you and I live in the United States of America, and you can get, you know, we have fast food. You know, there's no, well, I grew up in the Philippines and I lived there for six years. There was no microwave. You know what dinner was? We were feeding dinner in the morning. The chickens were running around in the morning. They weren't there at night, but my belly was full. I remember during the week we were feeding the goats. On the weekend, there was nothing to feed. <laughs> Did you know that you can get your meal, at least you used to, for free at Del Taco if, you're, if the minute timer goes beyond like five minutes or two minutes? You used to be able to get a free meal. Aren't we so spoiled that if we don't get our food in two minutes... Remember, remember um, the Domino's yes. delivery? 30 minutes or less. Spider-Man couldn't even deliver in 30 minutes or less. Their pizzas were free. Like, we're so a people of convenience. What if stretching looked like I'm going to inconvenience myself on a Wednesday night and come to the prayer gathering? We have that every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Amen. We, we pull out a, a, a dry erase board, and there's a lot of things that are listed on our dry erase board as to what we pray for. And we pray for all of them. For those of you guys that are wondering, well, do you guys come here and pray all night? Just to put you at ease, it takes an hour for us to pray. Oh, I don't know if I can spare an hour. Stretch yourself. Stretch yourself. I'm going to give you four reasons to stretch yourself to gather, and I'll close with this. First thing, write this down. Stretch yourself to gather to hear the testimony of faith. Stretch yourself to hear, or stretch yourself to gather to hear the testimony of faith. Stretch yourself to gather to hear the testimony of faith. What does that look like? It means come to church. I am sharing with you testimony. What I'm reading to you today is testimony. Testimony. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You want to fuel your faith? Listen to what God is doing in other people's life. Read about what God is doing and has done in other people's lives. People that have chosen to follow him with all that they are. Everything that I read from the Bible is testimony. Testimony. You, my friend, are a living epistle. There's so many things that you can say that God did this in my life. When you come to the gathering, when you come to the assembly, when you choose to meet together in church, imagine what would happen if you shared what God did during this week with, with everybody else. So stretch yourself to gather to hear the testimony of faith. Second thing is stretch yourself to gather together to pray for a testimony of faith. Come to the prayer meeting. When was the last time that it wasn't about the food or about the game? But the purpose of the gathering was strictly to just pray. Stretch yourself to gather to pray. And before you sit there, well, I'll, 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 I'll gather with people to pray if someone were to invite me. What if God was telling you to go invite other people? Isn't that funny how, like, we kind of make it, okay, I'll stretch myself, but then you're not really stretching yourself? You're waiting for somebody to say something, then you'll stretch yourself? How about you do the inviting? Hey, man, can we get together, just pray? Yeah. I have a pastor friend that I, I, I mentor, I disciple, and I invited him to go on a prayer walk with me. Because I learned it from my pastor. My pastor used to wake us up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Back then, that was God awful early in the morning for me. And we would walk, and we would pray, and we would talk. So he asked me, you know, hey, man, would you be willing to do that? I said, absolutely. He's young, Pastor, so he doesn't wake up at 5 a.m. He wakes up later. But I stretched myself to go do that with him because I think it's important. We pray for a testimony to be able to share Everybody that's on the board that we pray for, it's an amazing thing when we can erase things off the board because we know that God answered them. That's a testimony. We pray to hear a testimony of faith. Third thing, we gather to be amazed what we bear witness to. It's those things, you know, that you and I get to come here on a Sunday morning and then you, man, how you doing? How's your week? Oh my gosh. I've got something to tell you. You know my friend that was that I work with that's not saved that you and I've been praying for? Guess what? She's sitting in the back. She came to church with me today. We gather To be amazed by that. It looks like this, and and I've said this many times, but it's like, you know, remember that passage of scripture where where, uh, the dad was like, Lord, help, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. It's almost like you pray, and it's amazing because you pray, and you go, I believe, I believe, God, you can do it, I believe, I believe, and then he does it, and you go, I can't believe it, he did it. It's amazing. And nobody personifies that more than this servant girl named Rhoda in the Bible. She's a young girl that Peter, the person that they were praying for, starts knocking on the door and the maid servant girl goes, this is who we're praying for. This is Peter. She was so amazed that she didn't even open the door. She turned around and ran back inside and told everybody, guess what? Peter's at the front door. And it's amazing to me because they were praying and believing God, but they didn't believe Rhoda. He's at the door. No, it's just his guardian (laughs) angel. You young little girl of little faith. Come on, your faith is still immature. Don't talk like that. No, it's Peter. No. And they debate amongst us. Can you imagine Peter? They have a prayer meeting for Peter, and Peter can't even get to his own prayer meeting. He's not even... the answer to your prayer is right here, bro. Just open the door. The Bible says that when they opened the door and they saw that it was Peter, they were amazed. I can live from... A moment of being amazed to amazed to amazed. It's so rich and it's so good. It fuels and it feeds my faith. Yes. I love people. Shit, guess what, man? You won't believe what happened to me. When they lead with that, you're like leaning in, like you know. And then when they bring you the testimony about what God did, then it's almost like fire to, to, to your faith. You get zeal. You you you're like, man, the God I serve is way better than anything else. We gather to be amazed to what we bear witness to. And lastly, the first three where we gather, we gather, we gather. The last one is based on verse 17. We scatter. I think it's great for the church to be gathered. There's so much power in the church to be gathered. But also, there's a moment where the church has to be Scattered. We scatter to tell others about all that God has done. It doesn't just stay here. It's meant to go beyond here. Peter motions to them. He begins to tell them what God did. And he tells them, go tell the brothers. Verse 17, he says, go tell tell these things to James and to the brothers. In other words, go tell other people what God did. I was chained to two guards, two guards in the front. The angel of the Lord said, get up quickly. So I got up and the chains fell off when I got up. He told me to get dressed, so I got dressed. Told me to put on my, my sandals, so I put on my sandals. We walked out. There was an iron gate that was locked. As soon as we walked out there, that thing just opened like it was an automatic door or something. I thought I was dreaming, you guys. So I kept walking and I realized, I'm in Jerusalem. I'm in the city. I'm not dreaming. So I went to Mary's house because I knew you guys were gathering here to pray. Mary, the mother of John Mark, the same guy that wrote the book of Mark. We need more houses like Mary. Somebody say amen to that. Where Mary would invite people over to her house to go and pray. And then he tells them this story, and he says, now go tell James and the brothers. And they did. You see, Acts and the word of God, the gospel just kind of spread further and further out. All because why? Because the church would begin to tell other people about their testimony. This eyewitness told another person who has an eyewitness of God doing something incredible as well. The next thing you know, the testimony of God begins to grow and witnesses begin to scatter all over the world. And here we are in Henderson, Nevada, sharing the good news about Jesus. That is what community looks like. That is what you and I are a part of. That is something that you and I ought to lean to and press into more and stretch ourselves where it needs to be. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Bow your heads. Let's, let's pray.